Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to the contemplation for the week of May 22nd, 2023. So as always, before we begin, my invitation is for you to tune inwards and allow yourself to receive whatever information is coming up from within you and trust that this space that you have set aside that you have created to contemplate the week ahead, to contemplate whatever is coming up, is really a time for you to allow your own knowing to come forward and to become sharpened um, and to um, experiment with how they can assist you in um, more deeply being present to your own life um, in the coming week. And the other thing to also keep in mind is that perhaps you found this episode because you are enjoying or you're intrigued by the title and you found this way after the fact. Um, trust that perhaps there's something here for you to listen to, that maybe some of the astrology that I'm talking about, right, even though I do use the astrology as the guidance here, that the point of contemplating on astrology, the point of playing around with the language of astrology to me is always to reflect us, allow us to facilitate a deeper reflection of our lives and whatever is present in our human experience. All right, let's get to it. On Monday, the 22nd, the sun in Gemini will sextile Mars and Leo, and Mars and Leo will square Jupiter in Taurus. Um, and then we have a pretty uneventful week in terms of astrology. The next aspect that we have is on Friday, the 26th, Venus and Cancer will sextile Uranus and Taurus, and Mars and Leo will square the lunar nodes, um, which are currently in Taurus and Scorpio. And then on Sunday, the 28th, Sun in Gemini is squaring uh, Saturn in Pisces. So I want to first begin the contemplation by spending a little bit of time thinking about Jupiter and Taurus. And I felt like this one, you know, so Jupiter ingressed into Taurus last week, but I felt like this one requires um, a little bit more time, a little bit more space for us to actually live into rather than simply intellectually um, try to understand, right? There can be a sense when we're working with astrology, when we're feeling into the energy of astrological changes, that we want to know exactly what this transit is going to bring us, right? And it makes a lot of sense because that's how we've been using it in the collective. But I think really feeling into, first of all, the fact that each transit has their own pace and their rhythm, right? 
if a transit is like a piece of music, maybe certain pieces of music really lends well to you walking around um, in the city or the town where you live, running errands while listening to that particular piece of music. Whereas other pieces of music requires you to really sit down and allow yourself to experience that piece of music with your whole body, with your undivided attention. And so I think Jupiter and Taurus, which is a transit that we're going to have for essentially the rest of the year, is one that to me really feels like it wants to be savored, right? So all of that is to say that I think we are only, myself included, at the start tale is that even a word um <laughs> we are really at the beginning of even understanding what jupiter and taurus will bring for us because we are only arriving you know jupiter and taurus taurus as a fixed earth sign invites us to walk into the room to walk into the pasture and to smell to have that experience right a, a full sensory experience Jupiter and Taurus wants us to, to ask, what are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting, right? It's about slowing down enough of our mental processes so that we can really sense into what this transit is here to teach us. And it may take a while because we as a collective have been quite detached from our body knowing, right? From the senses that come um, pre-installed, that comes with the factory settings of being in a human body. One thing that Jupiter and Taurus is currently making me ponder is this idea of our true nature. And this whole contemplation is really oriented towards the idea of what our true nature is and what, what it means to live authentically. I invite you at this moment to feel into what this word, true nature, bring up for you. What does this phrase bring up for you? Perhaps for some of you, confusion comes up, or perhaps you draw a blank because you're not even really sure what this means, or your brain can't cognitively make sense of it. I certainly have had periods where my brain can't really compute or make sense of what my true nature looks like or feels like. And I think this makes a lot of sense, right? Because often our true nature is part of our essence. And so our essence is one that is meant to be experienced, one that's meant to shine through different circumstances, right? Not necessarily processed through the cognitive mind. So if this is your reaction or your experience, that's totally fine. Perhaps when you're thinking about your true nature, you're immediately drawn to certain parts of your body or certain processes within your body. Maybe you notice your breathing, right? Or maybe you notice your tummy rumbling. When I think about my true nature, I immediately sense my heart, the way that my heart beats in an irregular rhythm, the warmth that I feel in my chest cavity that reminds me of the presence of my heart, that my heart is still alive, that my heart is doing its thing. Perhaps you experience 
sadness or heaviness because some parts of you remember that true nature. And yet you're also noticing that there is this thick layer of other people's voices, other people's expectations, or maybe trauma that comes from difficult experiences that you have had in your life or regrets that you may find that it's not always easeful for you to experience that true nature, even if you have awareness of it, right? That accessing it is not always um, as easeful as knowing on some deep level or realizing your awareness of it. I also invite you to feel into what your relationship is with nature in general. The word nature can bring up quite a lot for all of us, right? For some of us, nature may feel like this rarefied piece of land or a rarefied location that's far away from where we live, right? That for some of us, perhaps we need to get away from the hustle bustle of the city in order to experience nature. My invitation is for you to also begin noticing as you're listening to this contemplation that your nature is never separate from you. That nature in general, you are part of nature, right? You are part of this larger web of living system. Taurus, as the fixed earth sign, carries a lot of wisdom around how we also are part of this ever-shifting, always alive system that constitutes this earth. Taurus as an energy itself and Taurian concerns remind us that we are, after all, animals, and that our animal nature deserves as much care and connection and awareness even perhaps as the parts of us that also need to function within society, the parts of us that have um, figured out all these intelligence mechanisms in order to be able to show up and feed ourselves and pay the bills, right? I think many of us carry this sense somewhere within us, within our bodies, that something isn't quite right in the way that we currently live within this world as, you know, this is an overgeneralization, but as modern people in 2023. I think that Jupiter in Taurus really holds a lot of unique wisdom in that it brings an invitation for us to look inwards, to examine, to really honor our inner animal wisdom. And that perhaps as we remember this animal part of us, right, as we shed away any barriers and conditioning to truly appreciating this part of us, um, we begin to see our deep connection to nature. And we begin to transform the way that we interact with ourselves, with other humans, with the things that we engage with in order to keep our personal and collective needs met as humans, right? And also to really play the role of... Um, becoming a, a good neighbor to the rest of the alive and ever pulsating members of the earth. The animals, the rocks, the 
plants, the mushrooms, right? That we are in our true nature, part of this larger family. And so some of this may feel really abstract. If you are a modern human like I am, it may feel really far away from your reality, right? My reality right now, as I'm speaking, is I'm literally looking at my computer, right? And I'm speaking to a microphone. But I think one way that I remind myself, at least on a cognitive level, of my interconnection is the reality that this computer is made of uh, clear clear quartz, right? It, it's made out of crystals that grew from the belly of the earth. The floor, the wooden floor of my house came from trees. The oxygen that I'm breathing is coming from this network of trees and animals and ecosystems that allow my very ability to take part in the alive cycle, the alive chorus of beings on this earth. And so in what ways has it been useful for you to follow your own true nature? Conversely, where have you been going against your own true nature? What have you had to endure as the consequences of rejecting your truth? What do you fear to be the consequences of rewilding and releasing your conditioning in order to embrace your true nature? Often, there's a reason why we latch onto our conditioning and there's a reason why we abandon our true nature. It's not because on a fundamental level, we don't desire liberation. It's not because we don't know any better. Going against our true nature can be conscious, it can be subconscious, it can be unconscious. It can be something that's been imposed upon us. It can be something that we've imposed upon ourselves. It can be a mix of both. That perhaps we accept our conditioning because some parts of us believes that either that's just the way things are or that it's how we need to be in order to live the kind of life that we want to live or have the kind of relationship that we want to have. Often we hold on to our conditionings in order to survive. And we can have deep, wholehearted compassion for these parts of us that needed to mask, that needed to repress our true nature in order to get by, while simultaneously also beginning this inquiry into what is my true nature, you know, and not necessarily feel like we have to answer at come into an answer, arrive at an answer right away, but that perhaps it will take time for us to feel into what that looks like and that our reality and the day-to-day -day living and the challenges that we find walking around being human might be showing us as time goes by exactly what it is that we need in order to return to our true nature, right? And that return may not even happen wholesale. It may not happen all at once. It may happen one relationship at a time. 
one act at a time. One little local part of our lives at a time. This idea of rewilding has been really alive for me while thinking about Jupiter in Taurus. It's really, you know, the process of coming home to our true nature, of removing the artificial structures that prevent us from growing in the direction of our original impulse, right? It's the term rewilding was used by conservation biologists in order to describe this effort of rebuilding an ecosystem that has experienced some level of artificial human meddling or human intervention, right? Um, the end goal of rewilding is twofold. One is to restore the original or native ecosystem, including all the species in that particular ecology. And number two, to do that in such a way that the ecosystem itself becomes self-sustaining, right? With minimal interventions from humans. And so it's really interesting because, first of all, I just want to pause here and say that as you're listening to this, you may start to feel feelings come up with regards to your own kind of rewilding process in your spiritual journey. You know, some of you may have been on this rewilding path for some time. And I think it's important to also release dogma from the idea of rewilding because I do think that, you know, humans are here on earth and even if on the surface what we've been doing to one another or to the earth itself seems really horrendous, that there is a kind of entanglement, right, that is inherent to us being here. And so I tend to believe that even if my mind can't fully make make sense of it or that the collective doesn't necessarily have words for it, without bypassing, without looking away from the pain that's come from human intervention, that I think there's also something innate within us that propels us to engage with those interventions, right? And that those interventions may have some purpose as well. So this, I think, is an opportunity to really kind of look at the different nuances, right, of what it means to return to our true nature. Um, rewilding in the context of spiritual journey, the spiritual process, has to do with undoing some of the effects that we have experienced from our conditioning in order to uncover our true nature, or at least to experience more of that wild nature, right? To make space for more of that wild nature to come up rather than continually feeling repressed. Um, continually feeling domesticated and kind of depressed by the forces of authority around us, right? The idea of rewilding ourselves to the parts of us who have been told what to do or how to be or the parts of us that have been restrained, right, from expressing our true nature can feel quite liberating. But rewilding isn't always a sunny process with flowers on the side of the road, right? It can be really painful to see that as you come more in touch with 
your true nature or you've become more aware of what your true nature wants to wants to how it wants to move through the world right you may become more aware of the gap between you and your environment you and your communities you and your um parents or you and the associations of communities that you belong to right the process of rewilding can be deeply activating because it shows you your singularity it shows you the ways that you are a single human being with a unique perspective a unique set of preferences a unique um, compilation of ways of being it also shows you all of the ways that your surroundings may not have been supportive to your humanity or to you expressing in the moment the full spectrum of your humanity right and so I want to ground us a little bit more on the coming together of Mars squaring the lunar nodes, Uranus, and Jupiter in Taurus, um, at least by sign. Mars is in Leo, as we know, right? And so whenever Leo is activated, themes around authenticity, around congruence between our internal and external states may be really present um and with the squares and the conjunction that's involved we may experience this to not necessarily always be the most easeful or the most um easy to navigate right that that there may be um things that come up awarenesses that that um pop up with this kind of transit that starts to bring forth some of the sadness, some of the disappointment, some of the distance between who we are and uh, the rest of the people around us or who we want to be, that may bring up a lot of heartbreak. Mars is our raw life force, right? Mars wants to either be enacted, right, or directed somewhere. Mars wants to find expression out in the real world, right? In the sign of Leo, ruled by the sun, which is the center of gravity for the solar system, Mars in Leo can have the sense of wanting to find authentic expression through action, through trial and error, right? Through externalizing. It may be less of, you know, when I think about, for example, the sun, right, which is the ruler of Leo, being in its domicile sign in Leo, the sun in Leo can have this energy more of trying to find places, expressions, um, circumstances where one's authentic true expression can be expressed with not a lot of resistance right but with mars it's not just necessarily about being able to express it but it's about being able to also find our way to finding the authentic expression right it's kind of reminding me of myself as a little child actually <laughs> i don't have mars and leo natally but I, whenever I look back to uh, my younger self, 
what I always wished I had was more space for experiments, more space to make my own mistakes, right? Like that sense of like, I need to make my own mistakes. I need to learn from my own mistakes. I need to break the things I, I needed to break in order to learn the lessons I needed to learn. And I think Mars and Leo is can be quite dissatisfied with knowing who they are authentically and experiencing that inner authenticity and luminosity, right? Mars and Leo wants to take that experience outwards. You know, it wants that essence to find the right container for it, you know, the right action for it, right? In order to feel authentic, it's not enough to just feel the inner essence of one's authenticity, with Mars and Leo, there's a desire to complete that process through external means. Um, and therefore, my sense is that Mars and Leo loves or, or seeks for inner and outer congruence, right? The congruence between one's internal world and external world is a journey that's really important to Mars and Leo. Authenticity is a really complex concept. I have this pet peeve around people saying, just be yourself, right? You hear that a lot um, where I live in, in the U.S. because it almost seems like a platitude, right? It's like the thing that you print onto a mug. <laughs> but the reality is that authenticity is contextual, you know, and there's a lot of subtle nuances to authenticity. What feels authentic for one person under one circumstance might, might feel completely and absolutely inauthentic in another concept context, right? To me, authenticity is not necessarily equivalent to kind of blurting out whatever is in our minds at that exact moment, right? Authenticity is a lot more complex. It has to do with bringing our essence, allowing our essence to be present, to shine, even when we are in a situation where maybe there are restrictions placed upon us with regards to how we need to be, how we need to act, right? Using this example of blurting out our most spontaneous thoughts, um, doing that, like blurting out whatever is in our minds with zero filter may be totally authentic when that's in alignment with the desire that's within us, right? Sometimes the desire to say things out loud without any filter is so great that it doesn't make sense to think about other people's experiences. It doesn't make sense to think about how it will impact the world around us because we just, the unmet need of expressing oneself is so great in that moment, right? However, if you are able to notice that in that moment of wanting to blurt out the most blunt version of your um, original thoughts, right, your own essence, if you are able to notice that there are other parts of you, maybe a part that wants to say the unfiltered truth, and then the other part wants to feel closeness or connection or is afraid of um, losing that connection, it may be that blurting out without a filter is not actually authentic, right? Because from the perspective of the other part that wants closeness, that wants connection, totally blurting it out is not congruent with that part. You see what I'm saying? So authenticity is not a given, right? It's not always this trivial thing of like, you know, just be yourself, just be exactly who you are. You know, the experience of authenticity is kind of a robust 
coalescing of many different parts working together in order to allow congruence of internal and external reality to be pre to be present even when we're under pressure and so thinking about the lunar nodes right the lunar nodes can represent our multidimensional incarnational experience right specifically the north node is about our orientation, our hunger, our obsession, which may set into motion a series of events, a series of shifts and occurrences in awareness around what we need to be more mindful of, you know, vis-a-vis -vis that particular sign, right? In this case, the North Node is in Taurus. Uranus represents the larger kind of more cosmic force that seeks to allow an expression that reflects the truth, even if it means breaking down pre-existing structures. Meanwhile, Jupiter can represent both the societal structures that have been built by our collective agreements and convictions, right? And so Jupiter can also, I think, represent our ability to expand beyond that grid, right, that we have been given, that we have collectively, on a conscious or subconscious level, um, created, right, that we've agreed to in order to step into a more expansive and more inclusive reality. So it's really interesting, I think, contemplating the intersection among these forces, right, um, all of them co-present in a sign of Taurus. The nodes are about to end their stay or their tenure in uh, Taurus and Scorpio axis. Uranus is about past halfway through their trip in the realm of Taurus, which started in 2018. And then Jupiter has just entered Taurus, where it will stay for the rest of the year, right? And so to me, the square that Mars is activating in Leo to these planets in um Taurus, and I should also say for uh, the more nitpicky Virgo uh, parts of you who are looking at the chart and like, hey, what about Mercury? Let's just set Mercury aside for a second. Yes, Mercury is also in Taurus, but for now, let's just look at these different um, forces that are present, right? I think that the complexity of how we understand this idea of authenticity can also be reflected in this contrast between Leo and Taurus, right? The kind of authenticity that Leo seeks is on a spirit level. When I think about the kind of authenticity that Leo wants is being able to show up fully as oneself, right? To be seen within that expression of the authentic spirit. Whereas in Taurus, Taurus being an earth sign, it can orient more towards a slightly different kind of authenticity that's more maybe connected, more tethered to our physical form, right? When I think about the Taurian kind of authenticity, I think Taurus kind of wants to be allowed to sleep whenever it's sleepy, right? To complain when certain foods don't meet the standards of um, one's taste buds, right? To feel comfortable or to feel like one's well-being is supported on a physical, tangible level. And so I think we may find ourselves um, with this kind of astrological, energetic weather at an impasse, you know, at a moment where we become aware of this push and pull, right? And there's no problem with this push and pull. It may feel really uncomfortable. And also, um, ultimately, I think that as we begin to understand the different parts, we may also have a little bit more skill around how to integrate these different parts of us. 
I think what makes authenticity or congruence quite challenging is the fact that it can show up in so many different ways. Ultimately, it has to do with balancing these different parts, right? All of which possess some deep intelligence and also may not instantly kind of gel with one another. So what do we do? What are some of the practical things we can engage with? Like I mentioned, I think the first part has to do with understanding each of these different parts, right? Give, give these different parts a voice, a chance to say what it is that they want to say to you, right? Let them talk to you, even if it feels a little confusing. Journal it out, you know, let yourself witness these parts of you that want to express their unique brand of authenticity. Often, the solution to, you know, how to be congruent, which, you know, I really resonate with this, right? I'm someone who's always like, so how do we do this? You know, how do we practically um, make this work in our lived reality? I think the solution often emerges quite naturally after you allow yourself to more fully understand these characters, right? The, the qualities, the conditions, the needs of each of the different parts within yourself. So consider playing the role of an intermediator here. Right. One of the practices that I've engaged with is visualizing an empty room. For me, it always really helps when the room feels very modern. It feels like there's very minimal clutter, right? The lines are very clean. And this is a room that I imagine in my spirit, right? In my um, imagination. And often when I give myself space to go into that room, there's, first of all, like the sense of exhaling, right? Like maybe a part of me has been forced to consistently have an answer, consistently have a response, right? Going into that empty room can give you space so that you can relax. And within that relaxedness, allow different parts of you to start talking to you, right? The negative space of this kind of psychic empty room, right? Or energetic empty room has a glow to it, you know? there's kind of a blank canvas quality of like, you can do anything you want. So I think practicing this on like a visualization level can be really, really helpful. Um, and another one that I would also um, prescribe or suggest is giving yourself an energetic reset, right? Naps are great. I love naps. I think naps really give you an energetic reset when all these different parts seem so loud and cognitively you can't make sense of how to balance them, right? Giving your body a chance to just completely let go onto a surface that literally can hold you, whether that's the litter ground or your bed or a yoga mat, right, can be so helpful. And also I think meditation styles that are less guided, that really gives you the space and spaciousness to just kind of do nothing can really help you clear the slate so that you can start to see how these different parts of you want to talk to you. All right, friends, that is it by way of contemplation. Thank you so much for listening. If you have been enjoying these contemplations, if you enjoy this podcast, if you are finding value in what I'm offering here every single week, I would love to receive a review from you. Um, you can put your review on Apple Podcasts. Recently, I realized that you can also uh, share comments on um on Spotify if you have more specific comments. So um, yeah, check out those features. 
it's so, so helpful. I know that every single podcast you listen to, probably you hear people say this ad nauseum. It truly is very helpful in allowing this work to find the people that um, can resonate with it, that can benefit with it. So if you've been enjoying it, I absolutely would love to receive your support in getting um, this work out there. All right, wishing you a beautiful week, wishing you a grounded week, wishing you beautiful, exciting experiences amidst the different parts of you that want to talk to you, Um, wishing you so much wisdom to come through that feels authentic and feels in affinity and relevant to you at this moment. And I'm sending you so much love and I hope to see you soon. Take good care of yourself and thank you for listening. Thank you.